This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks is Jose Avila. He is a 17-year-old that doesn't want to go to college and he wants to start his own business. For your chance to win 100 bucks, just like Jose, every Monday morning, simply subscribe to this podcast on iTunes right now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it. All right, guys, I talked about this earlier, but I schedule like so many meetings, it would blow your mind. I mean, all my podcast interviews, right? Hundreds of entrepreneurs I talk to monthly, I schedule, and you know what? I do it so efficiently. I get them all to agree to my calendar, so all the calls are back to back to back. That means I'm not switching in between tasks all day long. I get them to batch so that I can be very efficient. It's so critical. And I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling to do this at nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule. It eliminates the back and forth between me and people I'm trying to meet with. It makes it very simple. And most importantly, they help me keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders. Helps you look very professional. So go to nathanlacka.com forward slash schedule to sign up and you get a great deal you know you guys know this i hit people hard i make great deals and gavin the ceo has given us a great deal if you sign up like normal people okay on their website you only get a 14-day free trial if you use my link nathanmica.com forward slash schedule you get 45 days free okay it's the best it's free go to nathanmica.com forward slash schedule right now to sign up and i'll see you there Nathan Lacka here. Good morning, guys. How's everyone? You're really gonna enjoy today's episode, and tomorrow is even more fun. You'll, you'll learn from Neil DeSena of Sena Hill. They transacted over $200 million in the financial technology industry in 2016. Many of you guys are very interested in fintech. You won't wanna miss this. He gives me his seven predictions for 2017. Good morning, folks. Nathan Latka here. Our guest today is Slater Viktorov. He is the CEO and founder of Indico Data Solutions. He's a poet, a coder, an MMA fighter, vegan Buddhist, and red letter Christian. Slater, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm absolutely ready, Nathan. Maybe my most favorite bio I've ever read. Oh, perfect. That's what I was aiming for. (laughs) All right. Tell us what Indico does and how you make money. Yeah, so Indico at the highest level is a text and image analytics provider. We focus on a specific area of deep learning called transfer learning. And our focus is on allowing people to make their own text and image analytics with very little data and be able to deploy it in a variety of situations. Uh, Specifically, right now, we make money uh, particularly selling this into financial services. And we found a really good sort of use case for the analytics suite that we provide in managing information overload for investment analysts. Okay, interesting. And what is the, what's the model? Is it a SaaS model or pay as you go? Yeah, so we, we've got actually a couple different. So we've got sort of a freemium that we make open to developers, which is very important to us. Uh, so it's a very, very sort of generous free tier and then sort of volume-based pricing like you'd expect for most APIs. And then we also have sort of an enterprise plan and, uh, sorry, we have an enterprise cloud plan and then also an enterprise on-prem plan. Okay, wow. So there's a lot. Um, which one of these is kind of your main revenue channel? Which one does the best for you? 
Yeah, the, the second two, the the enterprise cloud and on-prem offerings. Um, the nice thing is we use Docker, so the two are both pretty straightforward for us. So there's not a huge difficulty in doing on-prem solutions. Is the reason you're doing, and, and just to find on-prem so our audience understands. Yeah, so this is us bringing a physical box onto <laughs> the client's premises. Um, or, you know, more and more frequently, it's us figuring out whatever GPUs they've got kicking around in their basement and figuring out if we can get Indica running on that. I picture Slater, like, walking through a blizzard in, like, downtown, like, Cambridge or something, or the financial district, like, lugging servers to install in a basement somewhere. No, I mean, it's, it's about right. I mean, the, the one thing that I'd make sure to add to your picture is remember that I'm wearing flip-flops in the blizzard. Other than that, you're spot on. Yeah, so guys, on-premise, this is basically it's just more secure, and a lot of these firms that care about security and speed will kind of require that Slater, right? Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Or what we found is is almost a bigger requirement for a lot of these people is that they've got old contracts back before sort of cloud infrastructure was was a big thing that required them to keep all of their data on premises. So they actually have legal obligations not to allow any of the data to leave, to leave their premises. Okay, let's get into some history here real quick. What year did you found the business in? Uh, so we found the business in 2013. Um, nominally, it was sort of a dorm room business. So that's, you know, the, the incorporation date of the company, but it was still a while before we started working on it full time. Okay, and what uh, funding to date? How much have you raised? Uh, about $4.5 million. Okay. And did you, was that all in kind of one round or did you do a seed round early on? So we sort of did this big seed round when we first started of about $3 million. And then more recently we raised sort of this bridge capital about 1.2 to really help us attack this financial services vertical. And then we'll probably raise again near the end of the year. So a lot of CEOs, you're a perfect person to talk to this about. A lot of CEOs, their egos uh, worry them when they think about doing a bridge round for a lower amount than their seed because they they worry the market perception is that they're not doing well. But actually, bridge rounds can be very effective for minimizing dilution, right? And, and growing valuation in the meantime. How did you Absolutely. How did you manage your own emotions going through that? So it's a pretty good question. I like to think that that's something that I'm relatively good at. I mean, one thing for me is that I don't really come at the CEO position from a business perspective, but I'm very much coming more from the engineering design sort of product side. And, you know, even though I'm sure there are a lot of product managers out there that really let their egos get the best of them, um, and it wasn't a huge problem for me. You know, I think even even as much as six months to a year before that bridge run happened, we basically were looking around the space and realizing, hey, look, a lot of the companies out there, really, really good companies are still having trouble hitting this product market fit. And we really think that sort of bridge run to get us sort of this extra year of space is going to be the time that we need. Uh, and, and at the same time, you know, we kind of got to got to clean house, sort of use that as a really good event to get all the investors, all the employees are totally aligned in this new direction. Yep. It make, makes a lot of sense. What do you guys remember what first year revenue was back in 2013? Oh, uh, four figure, you know, so we were pretty much a consulting business back then, really just proving out, hey, is there any desire for this? So first year revenue, I'm sure was between five and $10,000. Uh, it's a su- super low, but hey, you got to <laughs> yeah. start somewhere, right? Right. No, I mean, we were based out of that. So. Yeah. so fast forward us now in 2016. What did you guys grow revenue to? Yeah. So I won't share the exact number, but I will say we're sort of in this mid progressing into upper six figures revenue. So we're hoping to hit a sort of million dollar recurring revenue in 2017. Got it. And, and that's ARR or MRR recurring? Oh, ARR. I wish we had a million dollar <laughs> MRR. Hey, so, so at the end of 2017... <laughs> 
Yeah, at the end of 2017, at your holiday party, you'll be popping champagne if you hit a million bucks in total revenue 2017. Hopefully it's higher, but yes. That's great. So I'm going to, I'm just going to, this is a total guess. You can confirm or deny. Is it fair to say you're doing somewhere then between, call it 40 and 60 grand in monthly recurring revenue to date? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. Very cool. And, um, I mean, part of the part of the reason I'm I'm trying in my mind I'm having troubles thinking about this is you have so many different pricing plans. It's hard to you can't really categorize you maybe as a SaaS company. Do you think of yourself as a SaaS company? Yeah, we we do think of ourselves as a SaaS company. I mean, e- even in the on-prem sort of deployment option, what we're basically doing is you know everyone using the product still uses it as a SaaS product. They just happen to be hitting instead of a server on our AWS cloud or their AWS cloud, they're hitting one that happens to be you know in the basement. And how many customers are you currently working with here in January 2017? Yeah, so we're working with about 20 customers overall. But I would say that, you know, sort of the more important metric for us is how many really big financial services companies we're working with. And that's about three. And these are on sort of large enterprise plans, um, really, in this use case. Um, My audience obviously would love to hear a story about one of those firms using you. But I imagine those are wrapped up in confidentiality, are they? Most of them are. One of them is not. Though. Can you tell us that one? How, how do they use you? What's the name of the company? Yeah, absolutely. So this is uh, Manulife John Hancock. So Manulife is the overall name and John Hancock is their uh, DBA in the U.S. And at a high level, we started out working with the innovation lab there. It's called Loft, the Lab of Forward Thinking, uh, which is sort of this small group of 20 or 30 people within Manulife whose job it is to go out and find emerging technologies and figure out if there's a way to kind of apply them to uh, real business use cases. And what we did with them is we actually, and they're, they're a really wonderful team. It was actually very very happy to work with them. And we, we put together a really, really strong bond sort of over the about a year that we've been working together. Uh, so their main goal is they wanted to give their investment analysts a better way to read through sort of these large quarterly and annual reports, right? You know, you get the 10Q and the 10Ks that come out and these can be anywhere from dozens to hundreds of pages, depending on the company and sort of how rigorous their reporting is. And just reading through that for an investment analyst is extremely time consuming, extremely tiring, especially when, you know, searching through the whole thing, they're usually only looking for a few key pieces of information. Like what? So the, the numbers, so it'll be things like, oh, they missed earnings. There was some change in leadership, right? So of the, you know, let's say you got 200 page annual reports of those 200 page reports, uh, you know, 80 to 90% of the report is going to be nearly identical. Actually. Uh, like legalese, but more like, you know, here's our earnings section and it follows the same format. Uh, but the interesting thing that we found, right, is that even though each analyst only cares about maybe five to 10% about what's in that report, uh, that five to 10% is different for each analyst, right? So if I'm super fundamentally based, right, I might only care about changes in leadership. If I'm a very quantitative investor, then I might care very much about earnings, but I don't care so much about the leadership. Uh, You know, if I'm a different sort of macro view analyst, I might really care about any uh, sort of overseas expansion that this company is doing. So it really varies quite a lot analyst by analyst. And that's actually where we found our, our big niche is that right now for most tech analytics companies, right, if I say, 
each one of our users wants to have sort of a different classification algorithm that's going to go and sift through these documents and surface what's relevant to them, you know, they say, well, you know, there's no way we can do that because we can't make a custom model for each user. The really cool thing about transfer learning is that we can actually, you know, if a user gives us 10 or 20 examples, then we've got a totally performant classification algorithm that's personalized to them um, that doesn't, you know, kill the servers because we've got another deep learning algorithm deployed that lets them sort of analyze these reports just Got the it. way that they want. So the, the installation happens at John Hancock. Again, the Indigo installation is complete. They do the first four or five manually so you can read their patterns and then you kind of try and codify mm. that. So moving forward, you just give them what they want. Well, sort of. Uh, the one the one delta I would say is that we're actually not involved in the process. Um, you know, we were in the first couple of months sort of getting them up and running. But the really cool thing is that... Um, so the powerful thing about transfer learning is it's there's no rules, there's no hard coding, right? What we give them is an engine that after you give us four or five or you know ten or twenty examples in that range, um, the algorithm is just good to go, and it'll continuously learn. And we sell sort of all of that pipe work, right? All of that functionality they get in a really easy set of APIs. Okay, Slater, I have a question for you. This is kind of more emotional and big picture. Oh, great! A lot of people believe the election. You know, there are echo chambers that Facebook created, right? Because their learning engine is so smart they they know what content to show me in my news feed that i'm going to engage with and that i like but what happened is that created echo chambers which some people think are good or bad but generally maybe there's less empathy in the world because of it right you could argue that do you worry Absolutely. that if your system gets too smart uh the company is supplying the information will understand how to kind of game the system and hide important things uh and your people are only reading the stuff that your algorithm tells them to read does that worry you ever so that's a really excellent question, and it does absolutely worry me. I think the the interesting thing that I'll say on the on the first part about the echo chambers is that it's absolutely true. But as far as whether people think it's a good or a bad thing, um, you know, Facebook's algorithm is not designed to create echo chambers. It has echo chambers because we've told it that that's what we want, right? Kind of for better or worse, it that makes seems it more dangerous, right? Which makes it far more dangerous. Which means that unless you very intentionally build a product and a system that avoids that and is geared towards presenting the widest possible context, um, then an echo chamber is going to be the end result. So, you know, part of that is saying, you know, don't, don't shoot the messenger, right? Facebook is. And Slater, you cut out real quick. So while you're reconnecting, um, I'll just articulate. Right. Our goal was very much to provide the greatest amount of context possible. Right. So we're making tools that, you know, right now there are these hundred page reports, but we're in the process of building out sort of this front end that comes with the data packaged in. And the goal there is instead of only allowing you to read through one or two or, you know, maybe 10 articles on a, on a given company, we can actually give you this high sort of holistic level overview of thousands of different sources, right. That come from different publications, right. That ideally spread, not just the political spectrum, but also the spectrum of, you know, people that are pro tech and anti-tech and you know ideally just as many different viewpoints as you can yeah. get it's fascinating getting your viewpoint on that. And guys, you know, listening, I'd love your perspective on this. This is one of my concerns about AI and just intelligence in general is that it's going to create like echo chambers. And, and and once you program it or once it learns from your patterns and it assumes you want those patterns to continue over time, it helps you get super specific. And does that tunnel vision make you miss stuff? I'd love your all's perspective on that. And Slater, sounds like you're already thinking about that. So that's great. Um, let, real quick, uh, we're running out of time. So just last few questions here. Uh, has it, have any customers left you that started paying you say a year or two ago or whatever 
So none within the very sort of crucial areas. I mean, I think there's a, there's a couple of areas definitely sort of in the freemium or sort of our lower, lower tier customers that weren't paying as much that, you know, so, so an example is when we started out, we started doing a decent amount in marketing and we always knew it was kind of a temporary vertical for us for a lot of reasons. And so as we sort of moved on, you know, a lot of those customers, yeah, sort of, uh, I shouldn't say a lot, one of those customers left, right. Um, but it was very much, we were moving away from the vertical and they were shifting their product and it was something that we kind of expected was Um, going to happen. How much per month are you currently spending on marketing? Zero. Okay. So no marketing spent. So most of the money you raise is what engineer salaries? Yeah. Yeah. You know, sort of for better or worse, one of the requisites to to play in this space is you have to have an extremely robust and functional backend. So we're still very engineering focused. And what's the team size? Uh, we're about 10 people right now. All in Boston? All in Boston. Very cool. Uh, so we've got one consultant in Malaysia that used to be in Boston, but unfortunately we couldn't get our visa through. Got it. Yeah, man, that's such a challenge. Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you post all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. Helps me so much. And by the way, look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay, I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay, so I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14 day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no, he's given us a 45 day free trial at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever. So go get it now. NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. All right, let's jump into the famous five here. Uh, Number one, what's your favorite business book? Uh... I don't have one. I'm sorry. That's okay. No, don't make one up. Uh, number two, is there a CEO yeah. you're following or studying right now? Not really, actually, okay. weirdly enough. No problem. Number three, is there a favorite online tool you have that you use every day? Like, you know, TopTel. Uh, Stack Overflow. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. All right. Uh, oh, no, number four, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? No. <laughs> How much do you get? Like four, five, six? Uh, I center around five. All right. And then what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? Uh, I've been with my girlfriend now for a little bit over five years. Okay. Uh, but well, no kids. Technically single. No kids. All right. And how old are you? I'm 24. All right. Last question, Slater. Take us back four years. What do you wish your 20 year old self knew? I wish my 20 year old self realized just how much he loved programming. Um, and I also realized that he knew what on earth he was getting into starting this company. Cause I think when I made it, when I was about 20 years old, uh, I was still definitely a little bit where was I? Top, 
Top drive. There you have it. He wishes earlier that he realized how much he loves programming. He likes, maybe likes that he was a little bit rose in the beginning, but his company's having success over 4.5 million raised for Indico.com, helping financial firms analyze documents and transfer information much faster. They're currently serving 20 customers, uh, aiming to break a million bucks in revenue here in 2017, doing somewhere around 50 grand in MRR currently. Very little churn, no customer acquisition costs. It's all free right now with their team of 10 folks up there in Boston. Slater, thank you for taking us to the top. Thanks so much, Nathan. If you enjoyed Slater today, go back and listen to Bryn Jones yesterday. He used to be part of the Canadian national swim team. Now he's running Grow Sumo, a YC graduate, helping 70 B2B SaaS companies grow their affiliate programs. So far, they've put they've helped companies drive over a hundred grand in new monthly recurring revenue via their affiliate programs. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win a hundred bucks every Monday.